Let's take a look at the Word of God uh, this morning. We're in 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3 uh, this morning. We read that word uh, together, uh, beginning in verse 13. It says, Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if it should be God's will than for doing evil. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, you are so good. You are so present, you are so alive, you speak into us. And so, Lord, as we spend a few minutes this morning thinking about what these words from your scriptures mean to our lives, Lord, would it be just like you are sitting in the room here with us today, speaking to us and teaching us. We pray this in your name. Amen. I want to take just a moment and talk about the Witness Protection Program. The Witness Protection Program, there's something about that program that just kind of, just kind of draws us in a little bit. There's something about it that's just, it has a tendency to fascinate us. I think partly because it's mysterious. We're not sure exactly what goes on there. There's a, there's a real thick curtain of what's on the other side of that program, and we wonder what's there. Plus, the idea... There, there is a program that will give you a brand new identity and a brand new life and drop you into another place. There's something about that that's absolutely fascinating. Quick show of hands, uh, is anyone here a member of the Witness Protection Program? Okay, we did have a couple people <laughs> raise their hand in first service and said, well, maybe you needed to pay attention in the orientation a little bit better because that's not a question that you answer. Now, we, we can kind of chuckle about that, but there is at the same time behind this idea of the witness protection program, there is, there is a little heaviness to it. There, there is a little fear because it, the whole premise is built on the fact that these are folks that are going to be called to witness against some serious things in some hard places. And, and, and there is a little bit of fear that things might not go well. In fact, there's a little bit of fear that there might be some harm that would come to those who will witness. Now, it's not exactly the same thing. But as we think about our days of hope, as we think about our, our, our season in the life of our church where we're thinking about praying for folks to know Jesus and inviting them to church and then sharing the gospel with them, as we think about those things, you know, one of the biggest obstacles that we face is there's a little bit of fear inside of our being a witness. There's a little bit of concern that if I talk about Jesus too much, if I share my faith with somebody, 
it might not go well. If I spend time talking about Jesus and introducing Jesus into a conversation, there is a fear that there might be some harm that comes to me. There is an extension of vulnerability when we talk about our faith that way. And as we finish up the sermon series, Part of Days of Hope, one of the things that I want you to know from the Word of God today is that there is a witness protection program for those who talk about Jesus. In fact, I want you to see that in the text here because what I want for you as we continue to think about the box and praying and inviting and sharing and and just kind of celebrating that by dropping those balls in there between now and the end of the year, as much as I want us to think about that, I want you to fear less and share more. That's that's the goal. That, that, that's what God would want us to do. And I want you to know from passages of Scripture like the one that we just read, you can fear less and share more. So let's take a look at it as we see this. What, what is this protection program for those that share faith and witness this morning? Uh, the, the first thing that I want you to see is I want you to see that you can trust God's provision. You, you can trust God's provision. Here is the, the sermon in a sentence. Are you ready? God will not hang you out to dry. That's the sermon. God will not hang you out to dry. He has called on you to be His witness. He has called on you to share faith. He has called on you to tell other people about Jesus. And He will not hang you out to dry. That's not His character. That's, that, that's not who He is. In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most famous sermon, he spends a little bit of time there. He's talking about prayer, but he says, which of you dads, when your kid is hungry and comes to you and says, I want some bread, will you give him a rock? Man, that's, that's some cruel, messed up stuff. Which one of you dads would do that? If your kid comes to you and asks you for, for a fish, would you say, Watch this, I'm going to give him a snake. He says, man, you wouldn't do that. I mean, you wouldn't even do that on TikTok. You, you wouldn't do that. He says, your, your heavenly father, he is so good. He is so much more trustworthy than even you on the best day. And so in the same way that I would say to you, understand the trustworthiness of God. He is not going to put you in a place where there is harm. When you take a look at the beginning of this passage in verse 13, it says, What harm comes to you when you are zealous for good? One of the safest places that you can be is in the middle of doing good. Every once in a while, our family had a a little game that we would play or a little joke that we we would have. Sometimes there would be just this terrible weather and we would be out in the weather. I don't remember whether we would always leave the house in this terrible weather and all this stuff, and thunderstorm and lightning and all of that stuff, and, and then we'd get to wherever we, we went, and it was just terrible weather, and we would always say, you know, the safest place in the middle of a thunderstorm is Dairy Queen. Uh, the, the, the safest place in the middle of a thunderstorm is the Mexican restaurant. It seems like we went out to eat a lot during thunderstorms and stuff like that, but that's really not the safest place. But the safest place for your life is in the middle of doing right. 
that the safest place for your life is in the middle of doing the right things. And when it comes to sharing the gospel, sharing hope, helping somebody know and meet and follow Jesus, that's the best right that there is. And so this passage of Scripture says, what harm can come to you when you are being zealous or crazy about doing good and right things? The safest place for your life is in the middle of doing the things that honor and please God. Now, what I love about this passage is that this is a promise that comes with a parachute. It's a promise that comes with a parachute. It says, listen, what harm is going to come to you while you are doing good? And then it says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Talk about a parachute. He says, listen, the reality is your life will never be safer than what it is when you're doing the right things in the eyes of God. But even if you should experience some surface harm in that moment, there should be some blowback on your life because you are doing the right thing and you're sharing the gospel and you're telling people about Jesus. Even if something hard happens in that moment, God, in His blessing and in His character and His love for you and His protection for you is going to take that harm and turn it into a blessing. That's amazing. If you have as your protector someone who, who has a plan for your life that says, every time there is harm, I will make it a blessing, that's a pretty good way to live. That's a pretty good way to experience life. He says, I will look after you. And even if it does get hard, even if it does get difficult, even if there is hardship, have no fear. Don't be troubled. Because he will even turn that into a blessing. Folks, we need to trust God's provision in our lives. And secondly, I would tell you that we need to remember our motivation. We need to remember our motivation. There is in these opening verses where it says, do not fear and do not be troubled. I don't know, man. Sometimes when I, when I am supposed to talk about Jesus and sometimes when I have to begin a conversation uh, about sharing Jesus, man, I don't really want my heart rate being checked at that moment. I'm a little scared. I'm a little intimidated. I'm not sure how that's going to go. I don't know how that's going to be received. They may think this is the best thing I've ever told them or they may be really mad that I've interfered in their lives. It's a little fearful. It's, it's a little bit scary. It feels a little bit vulnerable. But this passage of Scripture says, do not be afraid of them, do not be troubled by them. But it says, instead, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord. You see, the thing is, the reason why we share our faith, the reason we talk about the gospel, the good news, the reason we introduce Jesus is for Jesus. Now, we can lose sight of that. 
We, we can lose sight of that because it can feel like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I have to do. This is how I get points in, in heaven. This is how I get to drop a ball in the bucket. This is, how, this is what I have to do so that I'm not a bad Christian. And we get this whole list of to-dos and obligations and guilts and all those kinds of things. And, and, and when that begins to drive us, man, that locks us up from the inside. There's no freedom. There's no joy in that. But this passage says, do it because in your hearts you seek to honor Christ. We share Jesus because of Jesus. Remember Jesus? Jesus of the Gospels. Jesus of the stories of might and power and love and compassion. Jesus of presence. Jesus who laid down his life for us. Jesus who was raised again. Jesus who is the object of our worship when we gather here on Sundays. Jesus who is the entire focus of heaven. That Jesus, he asked us to do something. That Jesus who gives you strength and who lives inside of you as a believer. That Jesus, he asked us to do something. He asked us to share his story. And when we can move our witness and our sharing of hope away from a to-do and more of an expression of our love for Jesus. Now that doesn't mean you're not going to feel vulnerable. That doesn't mean you're not going to be anxious in that moment. But what we want to do is that we want to put our affection for Jesus our love for Jesus above all those other emotions. They're going to be there. But when you talk about Jesus, you're doing it for Jesus because of what he's done for you and because you love Jesus. That's the motivation. And then as we look at this passage, there's a calling on our lives to position ourselves to be effective to position ourselves to be effective. Now, we trust God, right? This would be where you say yes. We, we trust God, right? But that doesn't mean we don't look both ways before we cross the road. That, that, that doesn't mean we're not cautious, we're not careful, we don't pay attention, we don't show up prepared. And so God says, I will look after you. But he also says, you all need to be ready. And in fact, he mentions a couple things in this passage. You see, we trust God, but we also need to be prepared. In fact, that's the first thing he says. He says, we need to be prepared. He says, be prepared to give a defense for the hope that is in you. When someone asks you, be prepared to give a defense, an explanation of the hope that is in you. Now listen, I hope one of the things that you have heard in these last few weeks is that there are people who are in your circle inside of your life who want to know why you believe the things that you believe. They want to know why there is strength in your life that is different than what they see in other people's lives. They want to know why you believe what you believe. This passage says, be prepared to give an answer when someone asks you those questions. Now that preparation comes in a couple of ways. One, you kind of need 
to have in your mind a little bit of an outline. Here is my story of what Jesus has done for me. This is my life before Jesus. This is how I met Jesus. This is the difference that Jesus has made in my life. It's the three circles that we talked about uh, uh, last week, the, the brokenness of the world, God's perfect plan, and what Jesus has done for us. You remember the three circles? Have a plan on how you can tell the story of Jesus. Well, when someone asks you, man, what, what is it that you believe? What is it that, 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 that how are you handling the things that you're handling? Man, be ready to give an answer for that. Have something to say so that you don't hem and haw in that moment. Does anybody say hem and haw anymore? I just did. I felt very old saying hem and haw. Be prepared with some sense of what you're going to say. But also be prepared in your heart and in your spirit because I think sometimes God gives us opportunities to share. And our mind is having such a debate. Is now do I do this? Do I do this? Do I not do this? Should I do this? Is this really for me? Am I able to do this? I don't know if I can do this. And by the time we've had that mental debate, the opportunity is past. And so what we need to do is that we need to wake up every day and say, listen, if God gives me an opportunity, I don't know what it will look like. I don't know where it will be. I don't know when it will come. But I'm ready. I'm ready to give a defense for the hope that is in me. He, he says be prepared. In, in, terms of, in terms of being ready and being fully equipped, he also tells us, now this is a very complicated one, you're, you're going to want to pay attention here. Be polite. Be nice. Be kind. He says be ready to give a defense for the hope that is in you. But do it with gentleness. Do it with reason. Do it with kindness. Now, there's a really good chance that when Peter writes this letter, he is writing to a group of believers that are under a decent amount of pressure from people outside of the church that are really mad at Jesus' people. Now, Peter has a pretty good idea of that because there's a good chance that as he's writing this letter, He's in prison because he has been giving a defense for the hope that he has inside of him. And so in that kind of context, there is a temptation for us to talk about Jesus with a little bit of an attitude. For us to talk about Jesus with a little bit of animosity with a little bit of anger, with a little bit of, I don't know, separation from the person that we're talking to. But the word here is that we are prepared to give a defense, but we are to do it with gentleness and with kindness. We are to do it in a way that draws people to Jesus, not runs from Jesus. I think this is one of the things that breaks my heart. Is that there are many people in this community who have the scars of someone talking to them about Jesus in a way that was not loving 
or kind or gentle in any way. And so while someone made the effort to talk about Jesus, they, they did it while they were punching him in the nose. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 says, It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, the good news travels on the rails of love. And if we're trying to deliver the good news of Jesus in any other fashion, any other kind of delivery system, any other kind of box, package, or strategy, it's going to be a train wreck. It, it, it won't draw somebody to Jesus. In fact, it pushes them. It leaves scars. It gives people PTSD when they hear the word Jesus. The word of God tells us that we are to share. But it is with gentleness and with love, kindness. That's who we're supposed to be. Be passionate about it. But don't give Jesus a bad name. Don't give Jesus a bad name. Don't put words in Jesus' mouth that he wouldn't have spoken. Truth, but gentleness, kindness, grace. That's who Jesus is. So be prepared, be polite. And then the, 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 the last part is be productive. Let people see your life as a life that makes contribution to the world. When, when you go to work, work hard. When you go to work, show up on time. Stay till the end of the day. When you go to work, stay outside of the little gossip circle. When you go to work, don't stab people in the back. When you go to work, be cooperative. When you go to work, be kind to the people around you. What this passage of Scripture says is, listen... Live your life in such a way, echoing the life of Jesus, so that when people say something bad about you, other people will just laugh. Like, well, you must be talking about somebody else. That, that, that's, that's not the person that I know. That, that we need to live our lives in such a way that even when someone is mad at us, they can't find anything reasonable to say. That your life has copied the spirit, the tone of Jesus. That you have been the same person in church and outside of church. You've been the same person in front of somebody as you have been behind their backs. That you are a good person to work with. You are a good person to be a parent, a good person to be a child, a good person to be a spouse. So that when you talk about Jesus, they're like, I should listen. Clearly, that has made a difference in their life. I would like to have more people in my life like this person. The goal is to make it so that when someone criticizes, that the people who hear it criticizes you, the people who hear it, <laughs> they just kind of chuckle. That's crazy talk. I don't agree with everything they say, but they work hard. They're kind. They don't stab people in the back. They're consistent 
and they're good. The Word of God says if we're going to share the gospel and we're going to share that word, that's the kind of life we want to back it up with. I've had some people in my life that have been very kind to me and have made a difference in my life. Uh, Jimmy Reese, when I was in fourth grade, he invited me uh, to play on his soccer team. Now, I think it's okay if Jimmy's watching this, but Jimmy was the least athletic person I think I ever knew in my life. But he invited me to be on that soccer team, and playing soccer became something that was one of the great joys of my growing up years. It started because he invited me to that place. Uh, Donna Thornton taught an education class. I didn't do so great in that class, but it was the first place that I ever sat next to, to Susan. Kev- Kevin Richard uh, showed me this brand new thing called a, um, an iPhone. Man, that cost me some money over time. But it was so cool. It was so neat. You turn on its side. It had this little level with a bubble that would go up and down. It was so cool, the things that, that it would do. We had some friends in Eunice take us to the crawfish barn. Eh, it was okay, but it was an experience. People that have introduced me to some cool things in life. But none of that compares to the opportunity that we have to introduce someone to Jesus. None of that compares to the opportunity that we have to introduce someone to Jesus. I I can talk about a memory from a long time ago. I can talk about seeing this or experiencing this. But when we introduce someone to Jesus, it's not just for right now. It's not just for this lifetime. But it's forever. And if we're going to do that, we're going to have to be vulnerable sometimes. We're going to have to step out beyond our comfort level, and we're going to have to take a big gulp and say, here goes. But he's not going to leave you out to dry. He's going to protect you. He's the reason that we do it. We need to be prepared to do it.